Everyone, remain calm. Yeah. Ooh. Ah. That's how it always starts. And later, there's running and screaming. Somebody talk to me. What is happening? Welcome to Jurassic World. You're listening to the Jurassic Park podcast. You want to consult here or? In my bungalow. <laughs> Hold on to your butt. Well, we're back. And welcome to the 30th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Jost, and we're here to discuss all things Jurassic Park. Thanks for supporting us through 30 episodes. It's been a great ride so far, and I look forward to everything that happens between now and 2018, when the next Jurassic Park hits theaters. Hopefully our holiday gift guide last week helped you out, because Christmas is upon us. But this week, we're going to learn a lot more about those toys. So now that it's getting towards the end of December, we have to assume that the catastrophic events of Jurassic World have occurred. Since the beginning of the film held a bit of Christmas music, we know we are probably about in real time with the events from the park. So I wonder if we'll hear anything else about those events now that we are merging timelines. Well, anyway, in this episode... Again. Uh, you may have heard this on last week's episode. Sorry, I'm grabbing this radio. Uh, another transmission coming through. Ooh. Hold on a second, I gotta record this. Oh. Did I just say InGen? I, I have no clue where this is coming from. I swear, I swear I'm hearing things about dinosaurs and stuff in there, but... I'm gonna put this thing around. Hold on, I'm gonna move it over here again. Well, sorry, uh, let's get back to this. Um, anyway, in this episode, we've got some news... An awesome discussion with Jurassic Collectibles about all things toys and much, much more. 
as well as a wrap-up of our most recent poll question, where you tell us your favorite Jurassic Park toys. Man, that transmission is really bugging me. Uh, anyway, why don't we get things started off with a bit of Jurassic news from around the world. Eighteen minutes and your company catches up on ten years of research. Access me, program. Access me, security. These pictures were taken in hospital in Costa Rica 48 hours ago. I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but look. Boy, my head being right all the time. It's dead. I guarantee it. We're going to go with one news story this week, and it's actually not fully Jurassic news. So, I know all the Jurassic World fans out there were on pins and needles all weekend as we waited for the final figures for Star Wars The Force Awakens box office. Well, as of this recording, it looks like Star Wars has surpassed Jurassic World in the domestic hall, with $238 million, beating out Jurassic World's $208 million. Now, Jurassic does hold the record for single-day Saturday and Sunday halls, and it actually still holds the number one record for the international market with 316 million, beating out Star Wars 279 million. So with those domestic figures, Jurassic World still has the edge with 524.9 million worldwide to Star Wars 517 million. Now many will say Star Wars didn't open up in China and Jurassic World did, but Star Wars does not have a market in that area, so there's no guarantee there. Also, we can nitpick the stats a bit because even though Jurassic opened up domestically in more theaters than Star Wars did, The Force Awakens was seen grabbing nearly every screen within each theater it was screened. So now who is playing fair? But rather than fighting and bickering over what film is better and who raked in the most cash, let's just be excited that we are the ones winning as fans. We are the ones who get to relive these nostalgic franchises. Plus, I'm a huge Star Wars fan and would never complain. I admit I was pulling for Jurassic World to continue to hold that record because Star Wars reaps the benefits in most other areas within pop culture. So let's not fight, but rather come together as fans in this holiday season. Congrats to Star Wars on those records, and we'll have to wait and see if it passes Jurassic World at number three on the all-time worldwide box office list. Let's open up the doors to the Visitor Center, where Jurassic Collectibles from YouTube joins me to talk about toys, the films, and more. So this week I wanted to discuss the collectibles, toy lines, and more with everything from Jurassic Park. So of course I brought in Jurassic Collectibles from YouTube to help me take a look at everything and to describe what he does in the Jurassic community. Now I want to start you off with a question I ask all the guests. It's a serious question. So you're stuck in a kitchen with a raptor. What do you do and will you make it out? Uh, well, you've got to find some reflective surface. That's uh, that's that's the best way to confuse a raptor. Uh, so I don't know, find some kind of concave ladle, or uh, you know, some kind of pocket mirror maybe that you've got in your pocket if you're kind of vain like that. <laughs> just hold up the mirror and just confuse the hell out of that raptor, and then get out of there because it seems like reflective surfaces confuse them. And it's funny because it's a device I think that Spielberg's used in other films as well. I think he used it in uh, War of the Worlds as well. Pretty much the same trick. Um, oh yeah, you're right. When he, the, he definitely uh, did. 
Yeah, so I don't know if there's something there that Spielberg's trying to sort of use in all his movies. I'm not sure if it's any in any of his other films, but mirrors seem to confuse the hell out of his sort of villainous creature characters. Yeah, he's so. essentially saying, I guess, dinosaurs and aliens are dumb. <laughs> They'll yes, fall for exactly. their own, their own yeah. reflection. Use mirrors. That'll <laughs> always confuse an animal creature that's trying to kill you. Yeah, so you think you're going to make it out alive? Uh, no, probably. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'd probably run out of breath and then... I think Tim was lucky because someone told me the other day that it's really opportunistic that Tim actually makes it out because Hammond's gone in to eat the ice creams, so therefore the freezer has melted, causing the ice to be on the floor that the raptor slips on. Exactly. That's such an awesome little detail that that they put in there. And you don't really notice it. Yeah. Yeah, I only only realized that the other day, and I was like, oh, yeah, (laughs) he left the fridge open. So... um, I think if if I had ice on my side, that might be a good thing. But it's one of my worst fears is slipping on ice. I hate ice. And um, I love snow. I love absolutely love snow. But when it gets crunched down, it turns into ice. It's just like my worst nightmare. So (laughs) if I I deal with it as well as Tim did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's such an awesome detail. You see Hammond just eating ice cream. He's got loads of it out and around. And you just just think that's just uh, part of his character. It has nothing to do with anything in the future. But later on, you discuss or you uh, you you figure that out, and it's awesome to see that. So, and it's funny that people are just uh, coming across that now. So, I love it. I know, so well thought out. It's really good. Yeah. So, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about what you do uh, online for the Jurassic community? Okay, so uh, uh, I own and operate Jurassic Collectibles, uh, which is kind of like a, a hangout for everything to do with Jurassic Park and dinosaurs, and also pop culture which is sci-fi as well. Um, and we feature everything from props that we used in the film to merchandise that everyone remembers back, from back in the day in 1993 uh, to dinosaur toys that are just coming out that resemble dinosaurs that were in Jurassic Park. So it's a real mixed bag of dinosaurs and Jurassic Park lore. Yeah, I've been following it for a while, and, and you really break down everything in such detail. I think it's like a, a really great res- resource for anybody looking to buy from the toy line or or even from outside the Jurassic Park or Jurassic World toy line. There's just so much stuff on there to, to watch and, and to see you really dig deep into. So it's I think it's an awesome resource. Thanks. That's very kind of you to say so. Yeah, I, I tried to go into as much detail as I'd want to see. I mean, if, if someone held up a Jurassic Park-like T-Rex and said, look at this T-Rex, I'd be like, well, how, how much does it look like the T-Rex from Jurassic Park? You know, can I open up its jaw? Can I have a look inside and see if that's sculpted and painted nicely inside? Is it, you yeah. know, how, how heavy is it? How shiny is it? I kind of want to see all these things in detail. So that's one of the things I try to do as much as possible. I, I mean, obviously, you have to make a video entertaining and short, and you can't make it too long. Otherwise, you'd be there all day. <laughs> but, you know, I, I do like to try and show things in as much detail as I'd like to see. Yeah, they're definitely fun videos. You know, you you bring in uh, some comparisons, you know, to characters that are the same or look a little different, you know, so you can see, you know, the difference between the two. That's awesome. And I like that you bring in, like, say, for instance, Grant every now and then. And, uh, you know, (laughs) it's so funny. (laughs) He's a permanent member of staff. He's actually my Alan from when I was younger. And he's he's like really like his his legs are really wobbly. (laughs) <laughs> and his, his paint is like it's like bleach from the sun so I call him Off Color Allen and he's like a permanent member of the staff you know, and actually some, someone messaged and said I want to send you an Ian because I want to see 
Ian in there with him. So now we've got uh, Cranky Ian, who's kind of like another character who's kind of comes in and complains about something, and he's he gets shoved in his bag, so he's kind of cranky. <laughs> so <laughs> I really so. love that, and and it's awesome because I guess for people who have those characters, like I have that same Grant, and mine is nearly identical to yours it's got the wobbly legs and it's got yeah. it, this t- the shirt part is different color than the arms and yeah. it's just so funny how that happens and I, I guess you know we get good use out of them when we're kids and, and we didn't just yeah. keep them in the packaging so it's fun to see everybody you know has similar uh, you know history with these with these toys that's yeah, there's nothing like a well played with toy. I mean, I, I remember when I was little, I used to have a big box of Lego, and you know the way like when you were younger, you just had all your Lego mixed together. You know, there wasn't yeah no hope of ever finding the instruction <laughs> manuals or anything. Again, it was just a, a sea of Lego, and I seem to remember there being some old vintage Star Wars figures in there that my brother had sort of handed me down, and they were in the Lego there. And I always remember kind of like every so often finding this gem of a Star Wars figure in and amongst the Lego. There's be like this little C-3PO with wobbly legs and a scratched face. <laughs> and uh, and I'd just be like, wow, look at this, a Star Wars figure. So I think that's part of the appeal to me is it doesn't matter how old it is. It's still got that sort of that legacy of something that was really cool at one point. Oh, definitely. I actually just recently I, I went and got all my toys from my parents and, and cleaned them all up and, and, and now I have them on display here in my in my studio here and awesome. it's, just, it's just awesome to go back and discover all these things and, and find things that you forgot about I love that yeah it's really cool nostalgia is definitely what the, the channel's all about I think uh, you know and I get that a lot from your podcast as well which is really good it's that feeling of being taken back to a place where you were just so happy and you just—it was so exciting at the time, and I think that's as part of the appeal of the channel as well. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people are—you know—we've all grown up, and we're all much older, and we're out of like the spectrum. You know, we're not kids, so we don't appeal the same way. Um, but no. I think we shouldn't lose that. You know, we shouldn't lose that—that um, that feeling you get when you're a kid when you see these toys or you watch these movies. A lot of people are now disinterested by the things that are happening on screen or the toys that are being released. But you got to have fun with it, you know? That's that's all it comes down to. Exactly. And I think that's one of the things when I look at the Jurassic World toys, you know, I try and look at those through the eyes of, you know, 6-year-old me when when it would have come out and I would have seen it. What would I have liked? What would I have not liked? What would I have compared it with with the existing Jurassic Park toys? And I think that's why Off Color Alan coming in is a good thing. Because, you know, it's still, I think he still is a, a, a playable toy. And a lot of kids around the world probably still have that Alan Grant figure, whether it's passed down from their parents or whether it's something they found at a car boot sale. You know, I think, I think that Alan Grant figure is still probably, you know, still popular amongst younger kids because he's a character from a film that they still know. Yeah. So I think, you know, having that comparison and bringing him in and comparing him with the older toys is always it's always a good thing to do. Yeah, I kind of had a similar conversation just recently. You know, when you're six or, or however old when these films came out, you're not really paying attention to uh, all the details, the paint jobs, the what they're made out of or where the screw holes are located or something like that. Like, you're not paying no. attention to those things. So. You know, maybe if the Jurassic World toy line isn't up to par with the older ones, kids now still could be having a great time with them. Oh, oh yeah. And I'm sure they are. I mean, yeah, I'm sure they're having a great time with the Jurassic World toys. There's plenty of them as well, which is cool. And um, I seem to remember, like, getting older and, like, you know, 
going on eBay and looking at Jurassic Park stuff and being like, wow, I didn't even know half of these toys even existed when I was younger. Like, you know, if I'd known they had a an Allosaurus that you could dissect and you could see its insides and it had a medical table and everything, I was just like, wow, if I'd known that existed, I would have been over the moon when, you know, back in 1997, but I just didn't know. There were just so many toys that you don't know about. Yeah. I think that's one of the things now, the advantages with kids who are collecting maybe Jurassic World now, they've got the internet to scour exactly what toys are around out there and that's one of the things that kind of the channel benefits by sort of showing them all the things that are out there whereas we didn't have that back in our day it was kind of like word of mouth and <laughs> what was actually in the stores you know yeah i think kids so. love unboxing videos and things like that so your videos kind of kind of do that they show the boxes and they show uh everything about the uh, outside of the container and everything and then you basically yeah. rip them open and, and show what's on the inside yeah, that's it. And I tried to make that transition as quick as possible because I used to show the, the whole opening of the packets and showing what's uh -huh. inside. But I'm kind of like desperate to get in there, you know. <laughs> I want, I'm excited to see what's in there as well. So I kind of just want to get it out and do a quick cut and just show you the product. So, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, so how I hope you... that. I hope that. How do you decide like what I uh, what parts of the um, toys to discuss? Like, do you just you know open them up and just discuss everything, or do you pick and choose? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like you know I pick them up in my hand, I, I look at them, I kind of look at them in hand, how they look, you know, what the finish is, what the sculpt is, and I kind of look at it and think, right, how does that measure up with everything else that we know in the collecting Jurassic Park universe? What, how does that you know stand up next to say the big red Rex from Jurassic Park? Or, you know, and I'll sit there and I'll just look at it for a little while and then I'll just shoot some comments. And, you know, if I need to do some close ups and things like that, then I tend to do that kind of, you know, show parts that interest me or things that might have a little nod. Like recently we reviewed the um, Ceratosaurus, the Jurassic World Ceratosaurus toy. Mm -hmm. And that's cool because it actually the paint scheme is the same as the Ceratosaurus we saw in Jurassic Park 3. So they've made a real nod there to a, to a dinosaur that never really had a toy, and now it's got a toy in the Jurassic World line. So it's stuff like that that I think is, is you know, a little nod to fans, and, and fans would really notice that. They'd be like, hey, it's the Ceratosaurus from Jurassic Park 3. So, um, and I think they're Hasbro, I hope, I, I said in the video, but I hope they're going to do a version where they take the, the nose horn off of that guy and turn it into a T-Rex, because in uh. Jurassic Park 3, that Ceratosaurus, the actual CGI model was actually just a, an altered t-rex um so they just added the horn and they changed some of the sculpt of the head and turned it into a ceratosaurus for that just that short scene so it makes sense if they made a t-rex an updated t-rex toy because i know a lot of people weren't happy with the sculpt of the original t-rex from jurassic world line It'd be cool if yeah. they did a, a a nicer more accurate version i'm hoping they do that yeah, me too. I mean, when it comes to all the ones in general, like, how do you decide? Do you just get all the toys or do you specifically <laughs> select uh, certain ones to review? Uh, I, I, I tend to... It's funny because, like, it's, it's building up now to the point where I've got boxes full of, you know, dinosaurs. And, you know, where I can, I kind of, you know, give some to friends, children, or, you know, I kind of try, try and keep it slimline, you know. And yeah. obviously things like Papo, which is the, the French manufacturer of those Jurassic Park-like dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. um, I try and hold on to all of those because I think I'd like to pass them on to, to my children eventually because they're, they're really, really nicely done. Same with the Reborn ones as well. Um, so I don't hold on to everything, but the ones that I do hold on to are ones I think I'll need for comparison. So the Jurassic World ones in general I've held 
gone to because I'll know that at some point they might re-release that one or they might release one that's similar to it and I need to kind of draw a comparison so I try and hold on to it and I tend to go to my boxes and scour through and think okay what would make a good comparison for this one and obviously off color Alan's there he's permanently yeah. working so he's not <laughs> he's, going anywhere <laughs> he's not going anywhere he's out of the box family getting more sun bleached in the in the window so um yeah he's uh he's a permanent member of staff yeah now when it comes to the jurassic world toy line um you know there's been a ton of backlash uh do you feel the same way as most people do about this uh toy line you know i i don't have uh so much of a sort of a vehement hatred towards hasbro i mean there's a very much a a big backlash at the moment yeah. and i think you know i think the toys aren't as good as the original toy line and that's a little bit disappointing considering it's 2015 and the original toys came out in 1993 you think that actually technology would improve to a point where you can get dinosaurs that look you know pretty much accurate to what we see in the film and it would be an easier process by now but it seems that they've gone down a funny route with some of the toys and the sculpts aren't accurate and you know but the thing is what i what i think has worked for jurassic world in their favor is that they've done a lot of stuff you know, they've kind of gone for quantity over quality. There's loads of dinosaurs to choose from. There's big ones, there's small ones. And that, in a way, is similar to the original toy line. So if you're a kid, you know, and you're enjoying the Jurassic Park franchise, I think you've got a lot to choose from, which is really, really good. Yeah. Do you think they just underestimated um, the excitement for the film? Do you think that's what think, it came down to? Yeah. And I think, to be honest, if you look at it, it'll be like Hasbro and Industrial Light and Matt. Magic. I'd see them as almost like parallels. You've got Industrial Light and Magic who do all the visual effects for films. And then you've got Hasbro who are doing all the merchandise for films. Now we've got two big films that have been coming out this year. It's Star Wars and Jurassic World. Now, yeah. Star Wars is the most profitable merchandise. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's made the most in, in like merchandising history. So the focus is definitely going to be on the Star Wars toy line, um, and I wouldn't blame them for doing that. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if less focus, you know, the B team was given Jurassic World. And I know for a fact that the visual effects were the B team, Singapore, were given the, the effects for, um, for Jurassic World. Okay. And it makes sense from a kind of a money-making point of view. You, you've got to, you've got to work out who's going to do what in the mm -hmm. same year. So I think you know that's probably what's happened. Um, but I think they've, they've done a you know bloody good job. I think you know they've done a lot of toys. I think the quality is is you know it's left a lot to be desired. And I think the problem is there's a lot of new independent companies like Papo and Rebor who have sprung up. And because they're less constrained by maybe two big films that are coming out in the same year and less constrained by mass manufacturer on a sort of global scale, they're actually able to put more creativity and inject a lot more quality into their smaller batch of, of toys and, and products that they're making. So I think it's just a difference between, you know, trying to mass manufacture things and a kind of a small independent group making these very detailed dinosaurs. So it's easy to draw comparisons and say, well, Papa and Rebo are doing this amazing stuff and Hasbro's doing this terrible stuff. But Hasbro's got to sell stuff on a you know enormous global scale and get it done in such a short, you know, amount of time. Yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, yeah. they can they can, you can cut them a little bit of slack, I think, <laughs> for, for the amount of stuff that they've had to put out. But yeah, the T-Rex was atrocious. I've got to agree with people on that. The T-Rex was probably the worst one for me across the whole toy line just because that head sculpt was consistent. It was obviously that they'd use the, the same 3D file or something for the same head for all of them. 
Yeah. And then you look back through the previous generations of Jurassic Park toys and there's just there's no comparison there. It's just they haven't got the likeness down. Um, so, yeah, I can I can understand people being a bit upset about that. Yeah, I think um, for me, what separates the old and the new is yeah. is the basically the I feel like it's maybe the playability of them, like the old line, the old T-Rex. It's very soft and uh, like rubbery feeling almost. I don't know what it is specifically, but you can basically, you know, just destroy that thing. And the new one is very like it's like a hard plastic. Now, there there is there does seem to be some little rubbery sections on some of these dinosaurs, but I feel like they're just so hard and plastic. Yeah, I think that's the, the thing as well is that, that people feel the quality control has, has dropped quite considerably. And again, I come back to that point where you just got to consider how many of these things they're having to make. And Jurassic World, I think, was a, was a runaway success in, in a way that they probably weren't prepared for. It's probably been as successful, you know, as they expected Star Wars to be, for example. Yeah. And they, and they haven't got they just haven't got another a team to do to do the Jurassic <laughs> world stuff they've only got so many people that they're going to have available to them so I don't know maybe it's a lack of foresight on their part but I don't think anyone expected Jurassic world to be as popular as it was so no. you know and I think I think the, the variety of stuff is what I'm kind of saying is is making up for it and the, and the wave two and wave three stuff is actually getting really cool as well like the ceratosaurus the dilophosaur uh, uh, the Mosasaurus figure. I mean, they're they're all getting really cool, you know, toys. So it's it's just a case of maybe they're having to sort of catch up a bit with the popularity <laughs> yeah. of the film. Yeah, and you can see all the work they're doing between Star Wars and Jurassic World. Uh, the Star Wars stuff, and sort of like you said with Jurassic, there's just so much stuff out there for Star Wars, and I can see all the effort that they've put into that series. So you can definitely tell the A team, you know, has been working on that. And of course, why wouldn't you? I mean. Yeah, Star Wars is like the biggest franchise to exist, so you got to focus on that, and they've done a great job with that. And I think I've probably gotten more toys from Star Wars than I have from the Jurassic World line. Yeah, and that's the thing. I, I just think Star Wars has just got this, you know, massive appeal. And at the end of the day, as much as we hate to hear it, everything that happens with these companies is about money. It's it's yep. it's they've got it. They've got to pay people salaries at the end of the day, and that is the the goal is to make money so if they can keep the cost low and and make a lot of money back then they're going to do it you know popularity of a franchise is really high and they're going to sell toys no matter what quality they make them at they're going to do it uh jurassic park might have because it was just the first film you know straight out they needed to make those toys high quality in order so that they would sell because it was a new franchise it was a brand new franchise so when you look at it comparatively you know they're kind of sitting on a on a franchise that they know will make money, and that's that's their aim. You know that's their goal at the end of the day is to make as much money as they can. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so what do you think about the the humans that were basically missing? Uh, the old lines were. I feel like they focused a ton on the human characters, and we have like yeah. different versions of those characters. Like there's a bunch of Grants, there's a bunch of Malcolms. So yeah. why are they missing? I mean, wouldn't kids buy you know a little Chris Pratt or a, a Bryce? Dallas I know Howard? it's it's interesting. It's a very it's a very interesting choice. I mean, I don't know if they look back at sales of their toys and whether for Jurassic Park three the human figures just did, didn't sell as much as the dinosaurs. So that mm -hmm. it might have been a conscious choice that. You know, they they actually weren't selling as many human figures. I, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of yeah. I, 
I think we really would have liked to have seen a Chris Pratt, you know, toy. <laughs> I think kids kids would have loved that, especially with, you know, baby versions of the of the Raptors, for example, or something like that. I mean, kids would have gone nuts for something like that. So I, I don't know. Maybe they just didn't think that the characters would be as appealing as the dinosaur characters. Maybe that was part of their marketing strategy was to make characters out of the dinosaurs. Because if you actually look at the film, you've got the Indominus Rex and then you've got the, the, the four raptors. And they are, you know, they're known by name. Yeah. So it's maybe they were relying on the fact that actually, no, the characters aren't the humans anymore. It's the dinosaurs. Uh, so we're going to focus on those for this toy line. Maybe that was their strategy. Yeah, that's a very good point, you know, with, with the raptors having their own names. And we all know that T-Rex and even the Mosasaurus is now like a, a character. Um, so I could see that being one of the things. Also, I've I've kind of discussed this with somebody before is that I don't think that these companies are really focused on uh, maybe collectors like us or, or, or other yes. Jurassic World fans. They're thinking of just, you know, the kids or whoever's the parents who are going to buy these things. They're not thinking of people who are going to just open them or may, maybe not open them and put them on their shelves. So that's yeah. maybe, you know, where we could have gotten humans, but they decided no. That's true. And I actually made a tweet about this this morning. I said, you know... Hasbro, if, if you made, if you re-released the T-Rexes from the Jurassic Park toy lines, you you know, you'd make a fortune. <laughs> we, there's, there's so many nostalgic collectors like ourselves who are just out there and we, we would love to have like a, a re-release of Jurassic Park stuff or even updated so that the T-Rex looks amazing, but in the original packaging, you know, like they did yeah. with the vintage Star Wars line, which was a, a runaway success. And I think, you know, there's there's a lot of money in nostalgia that toy companies aren't really capitalizing on. And it takes companies like um, Funko, Reaction Figures, and um, even, uh, um, oh, what are they called? NECA doing the, the Terminator figures and things like that. You know, it's, there's a lot of money in nostalgia. And I, I, I really wish someone like NECA or, or Funko would would do re-releases of, of the Jurassic Park line because that would just be incredible, and I think it would it would make so much more money than people expect. I actually think kids would buy it as well because they'd want to play with it with their Jurassic World toys. Oh, um, And if especially if the quality was high on a T Rex figure, the T Rex has been in them throughout. So, you know, I think I could see both adults and children playing with those. So, uh, yeah, they're kind of sitting on something there that could be really... Same with Lego, for that matter. Lego haven't done any of the original Jurassic Park vehicles. And I'm like, I'm at a loss as to why they've not done that. Whether they're just trying to stick to a strategy of keeping into Jurassic World for a certain amount of time and then they'll pay it play off the nostalgia mm -hmm, but maybe. you know especially considering that they made the Jurassic Park Lego game as well with the whole trilogy of films it's it's surprising to me that they haven't um, done more Lego lines that are like classic you know classic Jurassic Park yeah that is very strange actually I didn't really I don't know until now yeah, I don't know if they've got the whether they've got the license for the original film or whether it just seems odd to me that we haven't got like a Jeep Wrangler, for example. I mean, mm -hmm. that that would that would sell a fortune, and also the it it featured in Jurassic World, so it makes sense. Yeah, you know, for them them to release that, but but they there seems to be no sign of it yet on the horizon. I really hope they do something like it next year, and I get a feeling we're going to get like a lot more waves of Jurassic Park stuff next year, kind of feeding off the popularity of Jurassic World. So hopefully we'll get some you know, classic vintage lines in there as well. Yeah. Now, 
Star Wars is going to be around for, you know, forever, it seems like. You know, basically every year we have one or two films coming out. Um, so do you feel like with Jurassic, you know, the sequel coming out in the, in the uh, near future for Jurassic World, do you see them maybe stepping it up or, or do you see them still being the B team, essentially? Yeah, it's a good point. I suppose the thing is they can fall back on this movie being a runaway success now. So, you know, it makes me wonder whether less or more effort effort is going to go into the next film you know what i mean so yeah. it's kind of the, the, the film's done so well that it's almost like well it'll do well anyway even if mm-hmm. we make even if we make these toys you know I'd, I'd be interested to know how hasbro actually did uh on profit wise on the jurassic world toys because someone tweeted and i've seen lots of reports that hasbro were taking the toys out of the the, the stores i don't know if it was because of quality control or they weren't selling, but I remember they were being taken out of stores. And that, to me, seemed bizarre because it was such a runaway success that I thought they wouldn't be able to, you know, sell, you know, keep selling them. I thought they would have just gone on and on and on. Yeah. Um, so, I'd, yeah, I'd be interested to know how they did uh, profit-wise, but I wouldn't be surprised they they used the B-team again. It's kind <laughs> of like, you know, the film's done well, and I think, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe they will put a little bit more effort in for this one. Maybe I mean, especially on the the manufacturing side, they'll make more. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, because they know they can sell more. Uh, and maybe maybe the fact that we've all said you know the quality is a bit shoddy on these Jurassic Park toys, maybe they will listen for the next film and we'll get something that's really faithful to the original toy line. Hopefully, fingers crossed, and get some human figures <laughs> too. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. I'm sure they've heard a ton of the backlash, you know, through Twitter or other sources. Um, yeah. So I could see them maybe wanting to step it up and revert to the uh, original lines. But um, if we if we go back to the original three films, what was your favorite item from those toy lines? Uh, probably the uh, huge Red Rex from um, Jurassic Park. I think that to me is it's just one of those standout toys that everyone remembers from the original Jurassic Park toy and everyone wanted that as well I remember it being in the commercial it was the biggest toy it was electronic <laughs> and actually with me my parents um they they got me the wrong one because I actually asked for that dinosaur for Christmas and they ended up getting me the the 14.99 smaller uh, brown t-rex oh yeah and uh, I loved that dinosaur just as much I mean I wasn't upset about it at all when you're that age you don't really care but when <laughs> As I've grown older, I've always thought like, oh man, I wish I'd you know had that Red Rex. It looked amazing, and I think that was the first thing on the channel. That was the fir- very first thing I put on the channel was this sort of unrequited love for this toy that I, I wanted to one day own it. And I thought, you know, now I'm an adult, I've got some money, and I, I thought, right, I, you know, I'd like to own that toy. It's not too expensive. It's going up and up and up on eBay now, but yeah. at the time it wasn't too expensive. So I think I got it imported from America, which is crazy, and it had. The- box and it was just you know just looked amazing and that was the first video i shot was just that i just thought this is so cool i'm gonna shoot this video no one's gonna look at it but i'm just gonna put it online because it represents everything to do with jurassic park nostalgia to me and um and that was the first video and that's that's how the, the channel actually started so um yeah yeah i think i think that for me is is probably the standout item from jurassic park merchandise what, what about yourself um, I was going to say the same thing, actually. You know, I yeah. I have that one. And actually, I was looking on eBay this morning uh, trying to find, you know, any any ones that maybe aren't in great condition or anything like that. I, I found one, but I don't think it's going to go for as much as I want it to. It's the, like you said, they're just skyrocketing and the prices are crazy. 
Um, I was looking because the, the arms on my T-Rex are gone. So I have no arms. <laughs> right, right. So Do I wanted to get maybe some sort of arms. replacement, you know? Yeah, that's a good idea. So you want to find like an old beaten up one so you can take the arms off. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I want to put I'm... the arms on mine so it's, you know, basically my original one. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's it's very hard. Like you said, they're so expensive. You can't just buy, like, one just to replace arms. So, yeah. who knows? I'll just have to keep my eyes out maybe at uh, thrift stores or yard yeah. sales or something like that. Or if... Or... Or if you, if anyone was listening and they're, uh, you know, a keen model maker and they've got some spare arms, you could get them to do a recast with some resin and a, a you know, a silicon mold, just a very quick uh, two-part mold. <laughs> it would be. You could, I mean, there's probably a business there online. I didn't say it, but there's probably someone there who could start selling Jurassic Park spares. Yes, uh, I'm sure that would the people would snap up those arms. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like I said, we don't think about those things when we're kids. We're just playing with these things we're destroying the vehicles we're ripping the characters out and and somehow my my rex's arms just disappeared now if i i mean if i had known they would be such an awesome collector's item in the future i maybe wouldn't have done that but you know i think actually i think my muldoon character i don't know for some reason i think his head got smashed against a treadmill and he's got a very flat forehead now so (laughs) That's great. I mean, it's part of the character of toys, like the adventures uh-huh. that they go on. I I do remember actually keeping the packaging, just the back part of the like the smaller toys, simply because I loved the colours and the, the images on the back. And I think I wanted to keep them so that I had almost like, like a catalogue on the back of all the dinosaurs I wanted to get. And I can't remember if I yeah. crossed them off, but I was definitely keeping track of all the ones I had. But it's funny you say about Muldoon getting damaged because I actually, Actually, I got to the point where I was twisting his head so much that his head came right off. And I, was, I wasn't I was upset about it. I, I remember thinking, oh, wow, his head's come off. I remember thinking, like, this is cool. Like, his, his head is actually detachable. So yeah. what I did is I went and got some red paint, and I painted the stump of his head red, like bloody red, and the, ins- <laughs> the inside part of it red. And I thought, this is cool. This is a new play feature. So I just put his head on the top and sort of rest it on the top. I'd have the dinosaur come in, like the raptor, and I'd have him bite his head oh, off. That's awesome. And I just... I just just remember thinking this is a this is an added feature and it's the things like that you, you kind of you know they add a lot of character to your to your childhood memories of jurassic park you know it's you, the adventures that you, you made up in this whole you know jurassic park island that you know in, of your imagination you know yeah it's the imagination you know like i guess the creators never thought of that head coming out and you painting it no. but <laughs> it's it's just an awesome feature that you now have and you know, exactly. like with my Muldoon, I look back and I'm like, I'm upset now that I put it maybe on a treadmill. But when I, at the time, it probably was hilarious, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It adds something to the character of your, <laughs> your action figures. It's like my old scratch face C-3PO that's been stuck in some Lego for years. You know, it's got, it's got character, it's got dangly legs, and, you know, I yeah. think that's great. Yeah. Now, for the new toy line, do you have a favorite from that line? Uh... Uh, yeah, I was trying to I was trying to think about this actually the other day. It's it's yeah, it's a close tie between a few different ones. I actually like some of the more simpler ones, like the blue electronic growler is quite good just because it looks like the Raptor. It's got quite a simple play feature, and it just it just works quite well. Um, but one of my favorite ones actually, this is my favorite I think, is the Ankylosaurus. 
and it's okay. it's it, it's such a like tiny little toy it's just one of the basher and biter toys yeah but i just i just love the sculpt it's so well done it looks like not only the ankylosaurus from jurassic well but the ankylosaurus from jurassic park 3 as well mm. it's just a beautiful sculpt it's got a nice mixture of matte paint and gloss paint and i think that like finish is a big deal for me i like the the finish of things like the gloss on the eye of certain dinosaurs really makes a difference makes these things look like they're, they're actually blinking and they're wet you know yeah. so i think think things like that textural differences so yeah with that that in mind the, the ankylosaurus i think is the one i like the most and i've heard a few people say the same thing that the ankylosaurus is their favorite one and it seems such a like weird dinosaur for it to be their favorite one but <laughs> it, it just looks so good if you check out my review on the channel it just looks great it has a really simple action feature and just if it if you put it on your shelf it looks like a jurassic park dinosaur it looks really good awesome yeah i think my favorite is the the stegoceratops actually i mean it's not the greatest you know toy but i th i enjoy it i i like it yeah. it's, a, it's a little shiny um, I tried to compare it to, uh, let me see, I think, I forget which line it was from. It may be uh, the Lost World. There was a small, like, Triceratops, like, uh, dinosaur. And it's it's essentially the same size as that one. So I'm trying to look at them and compare right. them. And the old one yeah. is not as glossy. So I think that's where the difference comes in. It's very shiny on the new figure. Um, yeah. But... Aside from that, I, I actually enjoy it. You know, the, I like the hybrid feature on the toy. I think it's inventive and it's it's pretty cool looking. Like a, it's a great looking design. So I think yeah. that was my favorite. I did actually give that one quite a, a, a good review. It was it was a good good little toy, and I'm I I'm not like a massive fan of the hybrid idea, but actually they they did that one really faithfully. Uh, I don't know if it was going to actually it was it was in the film as a computer screen, wasn't it? It was just it was just like. Like yes, it, and it was just very briefly in the film. So yeah, but yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was actually. I, I wonder if they actually built the thing as a as a real CGI dinosaur, and yeah. like whether whether that was going to be in it anywhere. I don't know. I feel like it was designed to be in the film, but uh, and then we see that that computer screen, like you said, um, and like you, I'm kind of like tossed up as to whether I'd want to see that. And I've I've made that mention on on Twitter and stuff before. I feel like it would be. Um, not very Jurassic Park to me to have yeah. like this hybrid like I can accept the Indominus because it looks like something that could exist but in my mind the Stegoceratops doesn't really exist in that world so no. it would be kind of strange but for the toy I actually really like it so do you remember the, the, uh, there was a scene at the beginning when she's like walking the people uh, through the like lab and she's talking about the Indominus Rex being their new attraction mm -hmm. I kind of feel feel like if anywhere it would have been like there they would have walked past like an on-site yeah just like like a little like a uh, stable or something with a glass front that they can kind of look into and you would have just seen the stegoceratops there and she would have just mentioned that they're looking at hybrid dino i feel like it would have just been a, a throwaway shot like that and probably yeah. probably when they came to ed editing it or you know checking how the film's going they probably thought well actually no it's a bit weird let's just cut it out and leave <laughs> it as a as a computer diagnosis later yeah because I, I feel like at that point you don't i don't think you see any dinosaurs at that point in the movie so if that's the first one you see you're like whoa this is different this is a very different yeah, movie than i'm used what, to that's what i was thinking yeah. yeah and and even you know indominus rex they even introduced very carefully uh -huh. so um yeah i think it, it probably it was one of those things that they just thought, no, I'm not sure that'll go down too well. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, do you think that's something we'll see maybe in the future? 
yeah, I think I was I was thinking about this. Like, where are they going to go now with the franchise? Because they, you know, they don't realize it, but they kind of pushed themselves to the top of a cliff. Where, mm-hmm. yep, <laughs> you know, the T the T Rex is is the victorious one. The hybrid dinosaur has been destroyed. Um, there's talk of more hybrid dinosaurs weaponizing the dinosaurs. The raptors are trained now. I don't know. It feels like we've reached an equilibrium that is uh, like unsurmountable. You can't really go anywhere from here. And a lot of fans are actually saying, "I want it to end here. I want this to be the end. I don't want another one. I don't want it to go on any further." But it's been greenlit, so we know that the film is coming out. So it's like, well, where do they go now? Do they go back to the beginning? Do we go before Jurassic Park, or are we gonna, you know, are we gonna go beyond the story? And the, the indication is from what Colin Trevorrow is saying is that we're gonna go beyond. He talks about open source, you know, dinosaurs and this sort of thing. So yeah. I don't know. It's, it, I, I suppose we are gonna see more hybrids and things. <laughs> you know, it's it's weird. It's dangerous territory. Yeah. I think there was a lot of fear when Jurassic World was, was, wasn't was released yet. You know, we were all kind of afraid. Like, what are we going to see? What's going to happen? And now that we kind of know the direction, there's still I feel like that fear is still there as to, oh, please don't mess it up. Please don't do yeah. something crazy that, that will change the franchise, you know? And it's very easy to mess it up from this point inwards. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, we've gone so far to a point where it's just on the edge of believability. And I, I feel like if we go further we might go back to the sort of uh 2004 script that was released where it was hybrid humans and dinosaurs yep and you know that that's something that they could be considering i mean mean, it it makes sense you think we've gone hybrids what makes hybrids different and what if we mix them with human dna now um you know and i I don't know how fans would react to something something like that yeah i i think we've seen a lot of hatred for that script online and honestly i like i reread it recently and I feel like it almost has a natural pickup from where Jurassic World ended. Oh, and really? I feel like it could almost sort of work in the timeline. Wow. Um, aside from, actually, aside from um, uh, a portion of the story where they go back to the original island and they find the uh, the Barbasol canister, that stuff wouldn't work anymore. But aside, you know, yeah. aside from aside from that, there's a lot of features that could work. Yeah. So it's yeah. interesting. But uh, what did you think about Jurassic World? Did you like it or did you not? Uh, I'm not I'm not a massive fan of the film, if I'm absolutely honest. And I hate to say it because I know that there's a lot of fans out there, you, yourself included, who love the film. So I don't want to take anything away from you know <laughs> fans of Jurassic World. And I love the fact that the franchise has got back, back in the spotlight. Um, you know, I'm hearing from fans every day who love Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. So that's that's great that you know it's really raised the visibility of the franchise i think for me um probably because i'm the age i am and i'm older and i was six when jurassic park came out so you know i think comparing them is very easy for me and 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 to compare them it pales significantly in comparison to the original jurassic park i mean you've got probably a masterpiece of science fiction directed by steven spielberg versus you know this this newer film that's more of a sort of a popcorn sci-fi and it's written by a much younger writer and it's got these ideas that probably Spielberg would have thrown up if he'd read about. So, you know, for me, it doesn't feel like a Spielberg and Spielbergian sort of uh, concept. Um, and also there's lots of things about it to me that, that contradict what was in the first film. Um, 
mainly uh, you know the, the the theme of control um, there's a lot more control in this film over the dinosaurs than I would have thought plausible um, and also the idea of hybrid dinosaurs to me feels a bit disjointed in the Jurassic World universe. Yeah. I would say to me that Jurassic World feels more like a reboot. And if you treat it as a reboot, it, it actually works better than if you treat it as a Jurassic Park movie. But that's just my that's just my feeling. And I'm, I'm, I've always been a firm fan of the first film. And I've always, you know, said I, I love the first film more than the, the, the other two. And it's the same with Jurassic World. It's just nothing is going to be that first film is just flawless. I just love it. Yeah, I don't think you can. You know, I I, I love Jurassic World, but I, I do separate them. You know, I have um, a ton of love for the first film. That's, that's my favorite one, of course. Um, and I actually, yeah. a lot of people don't like The Lost World. I love that one. And yeah, so do I. I think that one would probably be my second favorite and maybe Jurassic World third. Um, yes. But, yeah, I, I, I'm able to separate them in my mind and say look this new one is is great and flashy and it's for today but you know the old ones are i feel like more respectable and just maybe better you know not maybe but definitely better written and yeah. better acted and everything you know all, all across the yeah board. you just have to go back and you know what we were talking about with the fridge and the melted ice cream and yeah. also there's, there's, yes. a, there's the other thing the um you know the the seat belt in the helicopter in the opening of Jurassic Park and the the, yeah. the female to female seat belts being a metaphor for the whole theme of you know female only dinosaurs on on the island and, you know these kind of nuances that Spielberg has put in he's just peppered his film with genius moments mm-hmm. that you know Jurassic World has only really got to the point it has because it's making so many references back to that genius content that source content you know everyone loves the nods back to the first film and everyone goes oh look at all these details where he's imitated something from the first film look at these characters where he's made a nod to the first jurassic park so it's kind of like it's it's given a backbone by imitating the first film and the source material for me it's like jaws it's like the first jaws the source material is always you know the the one that I go, I end up going back to and going you know yeah this is just genius so yeah I hope in a way that the next film goes back more to it because I felt like I wanted to stay in that world of the the first film a bit more of course but yeah. I understand you've got to you've got to progress <laughs> the story and actually the Lost World is an interesting point because Lost World is my second favorite as well and I know that actually a lot of ludicrous things happen happen in the lost world and i'm aware of it when i'm watching it but what i like about the lost world is that spielberg took jurassic park to a completely different feeling he 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 basically took it and turned it into the raw wild jurassic park Mm -hmm. and that was a really interesting concept i thought he, he really reinvented the theme of jurassic park i mean he could have gone back to the first film and had a theme park and, and, and gone back to all of the parts that you remember from the first film and just had a big nostalgia fest but he didn't he, he actually took the concept and said right now the dinosaurs are wild they're running around and you've got this sort of town that's you know overrun with vines and it's run down and yeah. you know de- decrepit and you've got all these dinosaurs running wild around it. I mean that's just a wonderful concept it's almost like what would have happened to Jurassic Park had there not been this terrible incident and the dinosaurs had just been left to roam free. And I just, I think that that is a really cool concept in itself. And I wish in some ways we could do that with Jurassic World. So we go back and they're all running wild like Sauna was in The Lost World. 
Yeah, I wonder if we're going to get that concept, but on a much bigger scale, you know, maybe throughout the entire world somehow. You know, if yeah, we, if we cool. have these open source, uh, you know, these companies working on them throughout the world, what happens if there's basically this breakdown all across the board and, and these dinosaurs just, you know, are roaming everywhere? That would be yeah. incredible, and I'd like to see that. You know, like on Sorna, there was like, don't go into the long grass. Don't go into these areas. You don't want to go there because yeah. there's raptors or, or, you know, other dinosaurs. And, um, you know, I think that's an awesome thing to look forward to in the future. And hopefully they kind of tackle that a little bit. That would be really great. And actually, one of the themes I thought was really cool from The Lost World as well was the idea of activists. Mm-hmm. The, you know, animal animal rights people getting involved. And I actually... Actually, I was in that when I was thinking about Jurassic World. I thought that might have been the way they were going to go. I thought I, di- I didn't expect hybrids. I thought they were going to reopen Jurassic Park like they did, and then someone was going to come in and, and do like a terrorist attack where they yeah. basically where they released the animals because they thought that they'd gone too far, and they were someone maybe like Sarah or someone like that who had who had been involved and got the history of Jurassic Park. I thought they were going to bring that back in, so it'd be cool if they did something like that that sort of ties it back in with the older franchise that people are very nostalgic about um, and maybe bring back some of those key characters which is what they're indicating at the moment you know grant and ian malcolm i mean if they got ian malcolm <laughs> back come on that would be that would be awesome of course that would be amazing i I'd i kind of had the same back. uh i kind of had the same feeling as you with the uh activists and stuff like that because a lot of the, the media focused on the Mosasaurus, you know, they showed basically that scene where it jumps out of the water. And yeah. that was a lot of the advertising. So I, I was kind of connecting the dots because at the time, you know, many people are, are, are freaking out about sea worlds and things like that in, and how they're containing these animals. So I kind of yeah. got the same vibe from that advertisement yeah, when it first I came thought out. That was, yeah, and it had a very, like, kind of clean, shiny, futuristic look. And I thought, well, this isn't Jurassic Park. So maybe the idea is that actually... We'll- we're going to kind of there's going to be someone fighting against this fakery um mm-hmm. but but the, but they, they didn't go down that route and i was surprised in a way that they went down the, the hybrid route so boldly and i suppose that's why people love it so much but i did think that maybe an activist route was going to be sort of the, the the reason or for the outbreak you know and the reason the dinosaurs got free yeah a lot of people want to see some sort of prequel or something like that so maybe that's something they could tackle in like a tv show or a book or a comic oh yeah i'd great. love that I'd love that, especially, you know, the build up to Jurassic Park, because you've got some really bold, clear characters there um, that you could sort of not necessarily have them in it or but but just have them make appearances or, or, you know, little little nods to the original film that, you know, just really pay homage to Jurassic Park. I think Muldoon and Nedry and all these characters. They've all got really interesting stories that each yeah. of them could have their own, you know, hour-long episode in a sort of prequel format to mm-hmm. Jurassic Park, and I think that would, you know, people would love that. Especially if you got some of the classic Jurassic Park dinosaurs in there as well, like the Dilophosaur. You know, people would eat that up. Oh, of course. Now, getting back to your reviews a little bit. Um, now, you like you said, you do Jurassic Park stuff, but you also do other things. So I saw recently you did. You know, like the good dinosaur, or there was, um, I forget, but there was some, there's a bunch of things that you do. So how do you decide uh, which toys to review outside of the Jurassic Park series? That's a good question. I think this 
year, the good dinosaur was motivated by me going to the, the toy fair in um, in Kensington Olympia in London. I it's the first toy fair I'd attended, and I was just interested to see what it was like. And um, it was really good. It was nice to see what's coming up in the year, and it truly was the the year of the dinosaur. I mean, you had Jurassic World Lego, you had um, Hasbro Jurassic World products, then you had um, Tommy with I think it's the dinosaur train stuff. And then you had, um, you know, the good dinosaur. Now I'm aware of the good dinosaur because I, I actually work in animation. So I'm kind of like, I can, I, I hear things or I see things, um, you know, I see articles and I trailers and clips and things like that. So I was very, very aware that the good dinosaur is kind of on this year's calendar for, for dinosaur related stuff. So I suppose it helps that I'm interested in, <laughs> in, in those sort of areas, but yeah, the good dinosaur, I I think it re reminds me of the land before time which when i was little was a huge you know part yeah. of my dinosaur fandom and it's something that doesn't really get re referenced very much anymore no it but, really doesn't. you know the land before time was a huge franchise i mean it had so many films i think 10 or 11 films <laughs> so you know it's, it's a really big franchise and it came out around the same time as Jurassic Park before it actually uh -huh. so um, it's definitely for me up there quite high and I suppose for kids now I feel like the good dinosaur might be a bit like that for them after they've seen Jurassic World I, I'm really looking forward to that movie. I, I don't know it's something about it looks just very heartfelt and touching and yeah, the, like the music behind the trailer and everything about that that original trailer that came out. It's pretty long and it's it's got a ton of uh, footage there. And overall, the movie looks beautiful, and I, I just really looks can't really wait to good. see it. Yeah, I remember because I I studied animation, and one of the things that's really like potent in animation is contrast of scale. So big things with small things, and that goes for characters. So for example, you look at Monsters Inc. You've got Boo, this tiny little girl, and you've got you know Sully, this big hairy monster <laughs> so you've got the instant contrast of scale yeah. and it it brings appeal to characters it's well. quite a lot quite often where you have like sidekicks pinky and brain you have you know small character big character mm -hmm. and i think for dinosaurs you haven't got a, you know there's no better source material than dinosaurs for contrast of scale i mean you can have the tiniest little dinosaur and the you know a big human or you can have a giant long neck brachiosaurus so it's cool that they're going down this route you know using dinosaurs to their advantage i think that's a really good idea um it's quite simple as well in a way they probably were a bit worried about going down this route um because dinosaurs are something that's been done so much mm -hmm. uh, but i think they've pulled off a nice you know pixarish style and i think uh, it should be a good movie yeah, I think the contrast, you know, the 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 background images, the the scenery that you're seeing all looks so realistic. And then you have these cartoony dinosaurs on the screen as well, and I think it works like really well. Yeah, it does. And the, the textural feel of them looks really good. I remember noticing that the big T-Rex dinosaurs Butch, one of the ones we reviewed as a toy, mm -hmm. has a really like flabby muscular feel to it. So when it's running, you just see all this sort of flesh cascading down the side of its body and like shuddering as it's walking. And I thought, wow, they're kind of like, they've taken a cartoony character and given it real life mass. They've given it like musculature and they've made it really fat and flabby. And I was just like, that is so cool. That's such a, you know, it's such a weird combination, but it works so well because it just, it is big. So it's just fantastic to see something realized in, in such, you know, detail and such realism. Yeah, and I think these toys actually look pretty awesome, like as well. And I think the uh, Arlo and Spot one 
is probably yeah. one of my favorites. I think I need to get that Arlo toy. It's just so, oh, it's yeah. so cute. Make, make sure you get the Disney ones because the, there's there's Tommy ones and Disney ones, and the ones that I picked up were the Disney ones, and the, oh, okay. the detail on them looks really good. Although we have got a Tommy one coming up that actually looks pretty good as well, but the Disney the exclusive ones would be Arlo that sits on the back. Just yeah. the, the quality on it is just fantastic. It really puts some of the Jurassic World ones to shame. I think some people know like made comments that you know they had covered up the screw holes with little rubber caps. And oh, okay. uh, you know, like these kind of levels of detail. So and the Disney store seems to be really doing some cool stuff. I mean they did the diecast Star Wars uh you know the TIE Fighter and the Resistance X Wing. Mm-hmm. And they are like amazing quality in that. In the US, I think they're ten dollars, which is wow. like for for a, for a diecast high quality model like that. It's 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 just really really good prices and really yeah, high definitely. quality. So I'm really impressed with what the Disney Store is doing now that they've got these franchises. They're um, I just wish they had the Jurassic World franchise in a way. <laughs> which I mean, I mean, I know they own uh, Lucasfilm now, and they own. Industrial Light and Magic, but it would be cool if they actually owned the the, the license to the Jurassic World toys. They'd be fantastic if they got yeah. the license. <laughs> so, if you were to tell somebody, you know, if or, or if there's somebody wanted to go to eBay or to a store and get a Jurassic item, what would you tell them to get? Like, what would you be, you be your best suggestion? Uh, I don't know. I'd probably tell them maybe to get one of the um, the the bigger toys it depends actually it depends on who's who's approaching who's coming to me and saying what what do i want <laughs> it's, yeah if it was a young child then you could recommend any of the toys i think the um the scan bands are pretty cool for like older collectors because they're like they're like prop replicas mm-hmm. and i, th- I th- thought that was cool that they released those officially because then you can kind of really associate those with the film you can watch the film and have something from the film and it's small it doesn't take up too much space so i always tend and to go towards like prop replicas. I'm trying to think if there's any more prop replicas that we've reviewed. To be honest, there's some Jurassic Dune stuff that, that they've released on their website. Yeah. That was really cool. Um, they, they did some like hats and, and um, ID badges and things. Yeah, they look great. Um, yeah. So there's prop replicas are always the things for older collectors, I think, are really nice to have because it's something you can put on your shelf and it's like a, a tangible piece of the film. I always think that prop replicas are great. Some people think, you know, because they're replicas, they're not as good as the real thing. But I think if it looks the same and it's exactly the, the same in terms of its design, I just think it's great to have like a piece of your film, of the film on your shelf like that. Oh, of course. I recently, or not recently, a few years ago, I got the um, Telltale Jurassic Park game. And inside oh, that box, yeah. it had, you know, a, a lot of cool details like the park yeah. map and the ID badge. And while they're yeah, not we, real, but they're them. they're awesome looking. The yeah, we reviewed that on the channel. It's a fantastic box set. It's just incredible. And the detail that they went into as well mm-hmm. uh, is just astounding. Uh, did you, the, 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 the book, I think it's got like a, isn't it? Oh, no, it comes with a letter that's hand signed by John Hammond. Yeah. You know, and, uh-huh. and the outer mailer box actually has in general site a on it and yeah. uh the book has like a picture of ingen's facility and you know like stuff like that for fans is just they know exactly you know what to tap into and that's yeah. that's great when you pay so much detail to a product like that i feel like maybe a lot of people missed out on that because a lot of people didn't like the game so maybe they didn't buy this box set but i was right on top of it i needed that thing and it's it's amazing i love having it 
Yeah. So did you pick that up recently? No, no. I Back when the game came out, I forgot when yeah, that was. Uh, it was a few years ago. Because it's actually getting quite scarce now. I looked it up yeah. online and there's a range of prices. Things tend to go, if like no one's got one and there's only one on sale, it tends to be like a stupid price. Of course, yeah. But if people, if there's two online, there's usually one that's like ridiculously low in price and one that's ridiculously high in price. And I think I saw one go recently for a fair price, but then and the only other one that's the option if you really wanted it is like hundreds of dollars it was ridiculous so yeah, yeah things things like that get really sought after yeah and i think what was it, it was only like 40 bucks or so um when it first came out and it's such a yeah. deal for all that stuff yeah i remember they had a pre-order option i think that's how i got it yeah i can't remember the they were it was on the Telltale Games, and I definitely wanted a hard copy. I mean, at that time, having digital copies was just like there was no, there was, it was a no-brainer. You always got the hard copy. Yes, and yeah. um, I remember pre-ordering it and like it arriving and being like, "Wow, they've really." I, I don't even think I planned to review it, but when it arrived, I was like, "This needs a <laughs> review," you know. So, yeah, so that's yeah. definitely on the channel. That's a great set. I got that one and the Back to the Future one, and they're both just awesome the details are no, I didn't really get cool the back to the future one. yeah i'd like to get that back to the future one what comes in that then does that come with some cool stuff as well it comes with like um sort of like a drawing from doc brown of of the flux capacitor i guess his maybe his original design um it comes cool. with like a postcard from one of the characters in the game um i don't know but it's it's really cool but the box itself is awesome it essentially looks like sort of an archive that maybe doc brown would have had you know, uh, just for that time period in his life. It's it's really cool. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, well, I'd I like to that check that out. Too. I'm going to have to... I bet that's going for ridiculous prices too. Oh, I'm sure, especially <laughs> this time of year, you know, with the, the, the oh, anniversary yeah. and, and everything, the film coming out, uh, or the 2015, it's just... I'm sure everything is going for a lot of money. I see you did the, uh, the Pepsi bottle, right? Yeah, the Pepsi Perfect bottle. I had to pick it up. It's not film accurate, but... Um, uh -huh. It was the it was more the idea the fact that Pepsi have actually released it on the date you know that the, they were in the future so I kind yeah. of think that's cool. I also picked up the um, the USA Today uh -huh. official yeah. newspaper where they they put the um, the front cover that was seen in the film on that. So I picked that up as because stuff when it's an officially licensed product I don't know it just for me it's it's like when you watch something on TV it's it's sort of like because it's on TV it makes it cooler. It's like it's like. <laughs> It's it's just got that licensed feel to it. Like mm -hmm. it's hard to describe, I, but yeah, I, 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 you know, it'd be cool to have an official like replica, and I've I've got one on the way actually. So yeah, it'd be cool to have a screen accurate one. Yeah, I uh, I tried really hard to get that Pepsi bottle. I couldn't get it. It uh, didn't work out. Um, but that newspaper, I feel like that's like one of the best um, collector's items you can get for like two to five dollars. It was insane oh, for that price, amazing. you know. Yeah, fantastic. Really, I'm just glad they did it. I mean, it's just, it's it's so cool to have something that is an official USA Today newspaper. Just, yeah, yeah that just really made me smile when I saw that they, they'd done that. Yeah. I think the only other thing that I'd really like is when they released the um, self-lacing shoes eventually. I know that they're, they're only releasing, you know, a handful of those and they're auctioning them off to raise money for the Michael J. Fox Foundation. Yeah. So, so you know, they're going to go for ridiculous prices like the 2011 Nike mags did so it's it's a shame that we don't have them you know as fans you know just to, 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 know. to buy them and own them I, I hope I hope that like a couple year or a year afterwards 
they release those as a as an affordable product because otherwise someone in China is going to make those knockoffs again and uh, you know they're going to end up selling those from China because that's what happened with the 2011 you know yeah. like Max and um, there's there's no doubt there was mass appeal for those lace up shoes um, <laughs> so yeah I think even if they didn't look like the Back to the Future shoes people would still buy them because they're lace ups you know yeah. just I think it would still it would still make people just you know they'd go wild for that so yeah yeah well, for now, I think we have to settle with all the collectible items we have for Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, and everything. And there's a lot yeah. out there, and everybody can find out, you know, how they look and how they interact with all the old, you know, the old characters, the old toys. So, if people want to find that, where can they find your stuff on the internet? So it's youtube.com forward slash Jurassic Collectibles, and it's collectibles with an A. A lot of people say, "Wait a minute, you spelled collectibles wrong." But actually, that's the um, that's the British spelling with an A. You can do it I or A. Actually, I didn't realize collectibles can be spelled <laughs> with an A or an I. So um, yeah, so it's it's collectibles with an A. So uh, yeah, and you can find me on Facebook and Twitter as well. So do like and follow on Twitter, and uh, yeah, just uh, come along for the ride. Yeah, this, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming on and talking all things Jurassic Park and, uh, and your stuff. Thank you. Oh, thank, thank you. you I've, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. It's really good to talk about Jurassic Park and nostalgia and everything mm-hmm. Jurassic World. It's great. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, we'll thank have to have so, you back sometime. So much. Yeah, it's been an honor. Thank you so much for having me. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, cheerio. recently on an episode of the Jurassic Unicast podcast. Make sure to check out that interview with James and Steve through their channel on YouTube. Just search for Jurassic Unicast and subscribe. And welcome back to Jurassic Unicast. I am James, one of your hosts, and I'm joined with Stephen Harrell. And we've got a special guest today. Say hello, Brad. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, adventurous. Definitely, 100%. Because I'd love to just go down Main Street tramping on everything. It's just, <laughs> it's just one of them sort of games you just get a thrill out of just destroying stuff. Oh, yeah. But we could sit there for four hours and watch a film. You know what I mean? How easily. Do a Jurassic yeah. World Hardcore Fans Edition. Who do you feel is the best characters out of the whole franchise? I got to pick Malcolm to be the best character. Good. Yeah, so you think, you think un- it's going to go mainland then? I think so, yeah. I think yeah. it's just going to be unrestricted dinosaurs. But I'd love to see like a pride of lions um, defend a territory against a pack of raptors. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, amazing. Thanks for coming on, Brad. It's been a pleasure, mate. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me on. Make sure to follow them on Twitter at JP underscore till underscore I underscore die. Dodson! Dodson! We've got Dodson here! You just went and made a new dinosaur? That doesn't look very scary. You are alive. I stopped to meet you. This week I threw a question out to you last minute on Twitter and Instagram to find out what toys from Jurassic Park were your favorites. There are so many memorable toy lines to choose from, So let's get into your responses over here on Twitter. Lord Christine says, The Stegoceratops. It transcends time and space. Jay says, Jurassic Park T-Rex. Still have mine in the box. At Matt Parody, one of our friends from the podcast here, 
He says, Tough question. I'd probably say it was all the baby dinosaurs. Yeah, you're right, man. All those dinosaurs that came with all the figures. Those things are so amazing. I have a bunch of them sitting right here. I can see the Brachiosaurus, the Dilophosaurus, uh, Pachycephalosaurus, the Stegosaurus. They are all so awesome, and I love each one of them. Great pick, man. Sickle Claw here says, It's gotta be the Bolt T-Rex. And Diego Rodriguez follows it up with, Same for me. At Dinochorus says, Command Compound. Don't know how accurate this was, but my mom was told the one she got me was one of only seven in the country of New Zealand. Wow, that is incredible if that's true. I hope it is, because that's, that's like a, a fact that nobody else can say. You got one of seven of those, and that's pretty awesome. At JP and Recreation says, Indominus Rex and the Compsignathus. And also says, And the Bull T-Rex as well. At Ripter CPV says, Big Red, of course. I had to save money for a whole year to be able to buy it. I still treasure that figure. Billy Reed says, The Lost World Thrasher T-Rex. I hope to own the Chaos Theory Thrasher T-Rex sometime before I die. I hope you do, man. I hope you get it. At N7 Patrick says, T-Rex Jr. from the original Jurassic Park line. It was my only Rex from Kenner. Jurassic Park, the Lost World Jurassic Park line. Fuller Shady 88 says, Has to be the Raptor toy. Used to play with it 24-7. And Corey Baker says, I reckon my all-time favorite is the JP-1 non-electronic Raptor. So simple, but such a great toy. And not too expensive. And he followed that up with, I think I may have to say the Bull T-Rex as well. Due to it being the biggest Rex toy, and it's rareness in my region. Hopefully I'm reading this one right. It's from at Akash, Akash 16 it says, Jeff Goldblum. Well, that's a pretty awesome figure. I got two Jeff Goldblums on my shelf right now. Dino Reviews 101 says, Jurassic Park 2K9 Deluxe T-Rex with Military General and Cutout Ford Explorer. So moving over to Instagram, we have one here from Emmanuel Pablo 2. It says, Definitely the Thrasher T-Rex. I wish to have it someday. Shamrock in Space says, The original JP had this realistic pattern of baby dinosaur stuffed toys of a raptor, Triceratops, and Dinonychus. I have all three and pass them down to my kids. James Paul Stephenson says, Anything Kenner from JP and the Lost World. Hard to beat the full-size Tyrannosaurus or the young T-Rex, though. And this last one comes from EJZ1987. It says, My electronic T-Rex from the original. Oh, how I wish I still had all my toys. My kids would love them. You know, that's a great idea. Hopefully being able to pass these things down someday. But I think a lot of people will struggle with that because these things are prized possessions after so many years. Um, I know I'd have a hard time parting with mine. And especially if they got roughed up after a few years. But anyway, thank you all so much for responding. I love hearing what you, the listeners, played with as kids. Or even adults for that matter. I still love collecting these toys and don't think I'll ever grow tired of it. It makes us all stay young at heart. Hopefully you can add to all your collections this Christmas and let us know what you received. Now, if you didn't get to respond to this, you can shoot us an email to JurassicParkPod at gmail.com or you can call our voicemail at 732-825-7763. This is Tom. This is Jake. And this is Travis. And we are the Drunken Dork Podcast. Tune in every week and listen to us discuss the finer points on superheroes, the latest pop culture news, as well as all of our favorite moves. You can listen to us on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, or the Stitcher app for Android. And be sure to catch up on all of our episodes by visiting us over at www.drunkendorkpodcast.wordpress.com. And remember, folks... 
you have one liver. Ruin it well. Thanks for listening to the 30th episode of the Jurassic Park podcast. You know, it's really bugging me as to what that transmission was trying to say before. Hopefully, I can listen in over the next few days and get some real answers. I'll be sure to let you know what I find out. I want to give a huge thanks to Jurassic Collectibles for joining me for an awesome discussion this week. I think the best part about doing this podcast is digging deep into all aspects of Jurassic Park and the toys have been a huge part of the fandom since the start. It's always cool to get some perspective from a fellow collector. Of course, I have to thank all of you for submitting your responses to the poll this week. You are all the reason we've hit the 30-episode mark, so we hope to hear even more from you as we march towards the next film. If you want to interact with us, we do most of our work over on Twitter, at Jurassic Park Pod, but we are also on Instagram as the Jurassic Park Podcast. Don't forget to check out our Flickr page as well. You can listen to us via iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Podomatic, and YouTube. So make sure to subscribe. It means a lot. We're usually spotted commenting on the Jurassic Park subreddit as Jurassic Park Podcast. All of the links to our web presence are in our show notes. Now, I know I mention this every week, but if you haven't already, please do us a huge favor by giving us a five-star review in iTunes or wherever you may be listening. It will seriously help us build our rankings and make it easier for fans like you to find us. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us with any news stories, MP3s, segment ideas, pictures, top tens, or comments to JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. If you'd like to record something for the show, send it in to us and we'll feature it in an upcoming episode. If you don't have any way to record, you can give our voicemail a call and leave us a message. That number is 732 725-7763. Thanks for listening, happy holidays, and enjoy. Five minutes. Drop what you're doing and leave now.